Hello there, I'm Benny. And I'm Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who and I tell you all about it. So hey Kyle. Hey Benny, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I think I'm doing a little better than yesterday, which was our previous recording. <laughs> I'm still recovering from our uh, plumbing escapade. Indeed. Yeah, it was a little strange not to do two episodes at once. I'm not used to the delayed gratification. <laughs> it's always a lot nicer to find out at least a slightly larger chunk of Doctor Who all in one setting. Yeah. Um, but all in one sitting, setting, anyway. Anywho, <laughs> any Doctor Who. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's find out what happens next. So I did want to mention before we get into it too much that uh, we do have a, I guess, a tradition on the Doctor's Watcher of mentioning and watching other shows as well that we <laughs> yeah. like. Yes. And I have a personal tradition of watching shows like well after they were kind of airing and popular. <laughs> Don't we uh, all? <laughs> as evidenced by this very podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess it doesn't really do much. <laughs> much bigger than that in terms of a gap between original air date and watching it. So I wanted to tell you, Benny, that I finally watched The Mandalorian. Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to keep this like pretty spoiler-free in case there are any of our listeners who are even more behind than I am. Yeah, I was going to say, at this point... <laughs> <laughs> but, but I did really enjoy it. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. I would say that if you are a fan of Star Wars or if you are a fan of the Western genre, then you would probably really enjoy The Mandalorian. Yeah. I will also give it what I feel like is a very Doctor's Watcher type comment. And <laughs> I will say that it was an eight episode serial that I really think they could have done in six. Yeah. Yeah, I think in typical Doctor Who, even though it's not Doctor Who fashion, <laughs> um, yeah, some of the some of the filler I think was more fillery than necessary. Yeah, there are. Well, it's interesting because I I think I have said this about some previous serials. Like I think I said Daleks could have been five instead of seven. Yeah, you definitely but in, said it about the the Mongols as well. Yeah, in those there's not like any specific episode you could drop. Mm -hmm. You'd have to just like edit bits out of various episodes to cut down the runtime mm -hmm. but with the mandalorian there are like two episodes specifically mm -hmm. that i think you could just skip over and yeah. you wouldn't actually be missing anything yeah and you know for me i'm like you know i'm actually a huge star wars fan of course that uh i feel like any opportunity to spend time in the star wars universe is something that i want and especially something with like the mandalorian where it's smaller stakes. It's more kind of everyday life in some ways. Sure. You know, a lot of bounty hunting, of course, but then there's also, you know, him visiting various people and uh, we see some of the ways in which those folks uh, are, are living. So, and I, I love all that. I can just, you know, yeah, revel, revel in it. Um, and, you know, but, like, yeah, well, I do think you could watch... I'll just say episodes one, two, three, four, seven, and eight, and not miss a lot. Mm -hmm. At the same time, if episode five or episode six was the only episode you ever saw, it would also stand alone and stand up on its own. Like, they're good episodes on their own. They just don't really go into the whole overall arc of the serial. Were those the, the one with, like, the, the space jail ship heist? Yeah, the and prisoner and the one with the other bounty hunter. Yeah. On tattooing. Yeah. That one was a shame. I feel like it was kind of a waste of a character, but I don't want to get into yeah, that. Yeah, I would agree. I, mean, I guess it's already kind of a spoiler, but yeah. Um, yep. Uh, excellent. Well, we'll have to uh, talk <laughs> in more detail at some point, but right now we're here to talk about Doctor Who. Indeed.
So we are on episode 22 of season one, The Velvet Web. Uh, Benny and I actually realized after our previous recording that episode 21 was the halfway point in the first season. There are 42 episodes total in That's season one. Long ass seasons back then. It really, really is. I mean, I know that they're short episodes, but. But we have now officially talked about, and you all have theoretically listened to us talk about half of a season of Doctor Who. So congratulations. Yeah. Uh, do you remember our. You might get through a full season. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember our Cliff Dingler? Um, I know our heroes had just teleported because um, they've got their like wrist dial um, teleportation devices that they got from the monk guy in the pyramid. And after teleporting, they noticed that I think Barbara's not there because she went first. Right. Um, and even though we only just recorded this episode yesterday, that's all I remember. <laughs> Cliff Dangler. So that's mostly it. Uh, Ian actually finds Barbara's travel dial wristwatch on the ground. Oh, right, right. And, has and there's some it. blood on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that scene actually continues. They look around a little bit and they see a door. And they speculate that Barbara must have been taken by force through the door because she would have waited for them to arrive otherwise. Also, that blood came from somewhere. Right. So they open the doors, and inside we see lots of like fancy Romanesque statues, and lots of like vases and like urns of flowers. And there's also some bright flashing lights and a beeping alarm. Cool, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Fancy. So the lights, the flashing lights, and the alarm stop after a few moments and the adventure party is able to get their bearings and they actually are now able to see Barbara who is reclining on like a sort of Roman style chaise lounge wearing like a fancy Roman dress and headband and stuff. Okay. (laughs) So of course we need to resolve like the actual Cliff Dingler itself, the blood on the travel dial. Mm -hmm. So Susan mentions it. Yeah, we usually resolve these Cliff Danglers very quickly. Right. It is becoming a classic Doctor Who fashion to resolve it with like a single line of dialogue. Yes. So Susan mentions it and Barbara says, I know that was silly. I turned the dial and I seemed to be falling through space. I got frightened and tried to tear it off my wrist. Just scratched me, see? And, like, shows a scratch on her wrist. I feel like that would be a big scratch to get... That's kind of like what I thought. Blood on a, on a yeah, to, like, leave noticeable blood. That would have to be, like, a pretty deep scratch. Yeah, especially if you're trying to get it off. Like, how, how desperate are you to yeah. take off this, this watch? Are you trying to, like, gnaw off your own wrist? <laughs> so there are a couple of attendants who have shown up in the room at this point. They are, you know, these young ladies who are also in sort of Romanesque robes or dresses or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> not much of a costume budget in this episode. <laughs> no, not really. Blew it all on Barbara- the one uh, word costume in the previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So Barbara asks the attendants to bring some food for her friends. She's already got, like, a plate of grapes herself. And they leave. Everyone talks about, like, how nice the whole place is. And Ian's like... Well, whatever we'd expected, it certainly wasn't anything like this. Yeah, it Susan, wasn't anything like what I expected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Susan is looking around, and she finds some nice silks that she thinks would be good for a dress. And Barbara's like, oh yeah, that's totally what they are for. They asked me to like choose the material for my robes. It's very accommodating of them. Uh-huh. I feel like anytime you land in a situation, it's just like instantly there's tons of people around you, you know, especially in a sci-fi type of setting, and they're like, oh, here, let's give you stuff. Let's take care of you. Then like you're getting fattened up to be eaten, you're being prepared for a sacrifice. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> whatever's going on it's probably not going to be great for you yeah so the attendants arrive back they've got several plates of food including like an entire roast turkey yum yeah it was cool it had you know like slices of oranges and stuff on it and it looked nice dang they got the good turkey everyone starts digging in except for ian who like reaches toward the food and then stops and barbara asks him what's up and he's like no i've just realized nobody's shown me the menu and you know everyone kind of keeps eating a few moments later she tries she urges him again to try the food and he says no see i don't know the price yet <laughs> uh the price is your life uh-huh. or your soul or it's gonna turn out that that's not really turkey bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so barbara is like no 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 it's totally cool like we're totally guests here <laughs> and a moment later their host shows up in the room this tall dude in fancy robes who I thought actually looked kind of a lot like young Hugh Laurie, oh. although that's not actually who the actor is. Oh, still, that's a good good mental image now. Uh-huh. Ian is like, This is where we pay the bill. And Barbara's like, Dude, chill. But it turns out this dude, tall, you know, young Hugh Laurie, just wants to ask if they want anything. It turns out that here in the city of Morphoton. Morphoton, excellent, excellent. Uh-huh. It's the most contented place in the universe, <laughs> and no desire is denied to the people who live here. Okay, this, is, this feels so suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> Susan is like, oh, cool, could I, like, get a dress? And the doctor is like, Susan, have some fucking manners. <laughs> and... Young Hugh Laurie is like, no, 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 it's totally cool. Like, she totally can get a dress. No worries. Yeah, doctor, chill. (laughs) (laughs) He asks if the doctor wants anything. And the doctor is like, Well, uh, yes, perhaps, but um, I'm afraid it's not quite as easy as giving Susan a dress out of that. If I had to choose, I well equipped the laboratory with every conceivable instrument. Yes, yes. I mean, dream big, I guess. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, ask for what you really want. (laughs) Young Hugh Laurie is just like, okay, cool, it will be arranged. And Ian is like... It will? You mean he can have it? And young Hugh Laurie is like, yeah, but tomorrow, just go to bed now, and tomorrow you can learn all about Morphoton. Oh, boy. And... Ian is like, yes, and uh, even if you're not serious about the laboratory, we're, we're very grateful. And young Hugh Laurie says, but I am serious. Good night. And leaves. Mm. So, yeah, pretty suspicious so far. Yeah. <laughs> the doctor is excited to study the culture here, but he and Susan are both already pretty tired, so they go and lay down. Ian and Barbara stay up a little bit longer and have a conversation where Barbara basically wonders why Ian's not just relaxing and going along with it here in this like totally sweet, awesome place. And Ian says, Perhaps it's my materialistic side. How rich and powerful do you have to be to give things away free? Mm-hmm. Or is it free? Uh-huh. Barbara's like, Oh, now don't spoil it all for me. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. You can't apply Earth standards. You just can't. Also, aren't they on a quest? Yeah, they, they are supposed to be on a quest. I guess this is still the sort of like explore the new setting and try all the dialogue options portion of the quest. <laughs> and relax and eat food. and. Uh-huh. All right. I'll buy it. <laughs> Ian points out to Barbara that young Hugh Laurie never blinked his eyes. Nice. But Barbara thinks he's being ridiculous and that they should just both try to get some sleep. 
I mean, you don't know what species he is. Maybe that's normal for him. Right. So they each lay down. Once everyone is laying down and has their eyes closed, the camera pans up to like this big piece of art on the wall, which is this large face. And the eyes start to glow as this pulsating sound starts to happen. Nice. Awesome. Also, can you imagine how hard it must have been for young Hugh Laurie to not blink through that scene, knowing that, like, if he did accidentally blink, he probably, you know, maybe had one chance at a retake, if that. Yeah, that's true. Like, (laughs) if the dialogue specifically says that you don't blink, you're like, oh, shit, I really want to blink now. (laughs) (laughs) It must have given him, like, tons of eye drops beforehand or something. Uh Uh-huh. So a moment after this pulsating sound and the the eyes of this piece of art start glowing, a door slides open in the wall and a woman enters the room and she goes around to each of our theoretically sleeping heroes and she places like a poker chip on everybody's forehead. Cool. But she doesn't notice a few moments later when Barbara kind of like turns her head in her sleep or whatever and the poker chip falls off of Barbara's forehead. So we know there's definitely some mind control shenanigans going on from the Uh uh, previous episode. I can't imagine that uh, this is unrelated. (laughs) As soon as Barbara's poker chip falls off, she like immediately wakes up and sits up just as this bright flashing light and this loud beeping noise starts to happen. None of the other three seem to notice, I guess because of the poker chips, Mm -hmm. but Barbara grabs her ears and like writhes in pain for a few moments. And then she seems to just kind of freeze up for a moment and she passes out and just like falls back onto her bed. Oh, bummer. Next morning, Ian, Susan, and the doctor are all having breakfast, and the doctor comments on, like, how exquisite the glasses are that they're drinking this orange juice out of, and, you know, Susan's, like, pouring herself some more juice. Ian's like, why not? There's plenty of it. But then we see that the glasses are empty, and <laughs> there's not even any glasses. The uh, the attendant woman arrives at this point with Susan's new dress, and Susan's just delighted by it. It's a even, burlap sack. <laughs> even Ian admits... It really is very elegant, Susan. <laughs> Susan asks if she can wake Barbara up to show her the dress. Barbara's still been asleep this whole time. And Ian's like... Why not? She can't sleep all the morning? So Susan goes and wakes her up, But as soon as she's awake, Barbara is basically like, what the fuck? Why does everything suck now? Mm Mm-hmm. Why is it just just a burlap sack? Uh Uh-huh. Doctor asks Susan to bring a glass of orange juice to Barbara, but Barbara, like, smashes it to the ground and says, No, it's filthy! <laughs> Doctor is like, man, our host is gonna be pissed. That glass was in like a matched set or whatever. So what what did it, what does this look like to us, the audience? Like, is everything really nice and resplendent, or is everything really gross? Uh, at this point, we are. I think we are mostly seeing everything nice, but then it does show us like a few shots from Barbara's POV where things look just gross. <laughs> okay, cool. Mostly it's the nice stuff, though. But, you know, she says the room's all gross now. She says that her dress sucks. She says that, like, Susan's new dress sucks and is gross. Oh, poor Susan. She's like... Why can't you see it? And Ian is like... Barbara, Barbara. It's all changed. Come on now, get a hold of yourself. I thought it was pretty shitty of him. I guess that's kind of our bad 60s feminist moment. I don't, maybe he thinks that she's just, like, being mean. 
I, I thought this was a perfectly nice glass of orange juice. Like, you don't uh-huh. have to be that mean. She's like, no, it really sucks. I'm <laughs> telling you, objectively, it sucks. Yeah, she said that like it's just a dirty old mug. And yeah, like when we saw from her perspective, like it was a pretty gross mug. <laughs> Probably, you know, like somebody on the film crew you know, had to donate their, their coffee that morning or whatever. <laughs> right, come on, guys. Someone's got to have a grosser mug than this. <laughs> <laughs> so Susan's like, hey, check out this dress they made me. And Barbara's like, it fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> About this time, young Hugh Laurie shows up and turns out his name is Altos. Okay. Uh, we never actually learned that, but the doctor is like, ah, here comes Altos. How did you know? <laughs> Altos looks at Barbara as he enters the room, and she's like, He knows it's failed on me. And Altos says, What's the matter? Aren't you feeling well? Let me take you to our physicians. No, don't let her leave. Yeah, so she, of course, refuses. She ends up, like, running out of the room, and Altos tells Ian, Please! Don't concern yourself. She's overwrought. I'll deal with it. You stay here. Uh, I think leaving the rest of your group, even if they're under some sort of mind control, is still not your best bet. Yeah. So we cut to another room where, like, first we see just an empty room. We hear footsteps approach, and Barbara enters the room. And then a moment later, we hear some more footsteps approach. And she steps behind a pillar around a corner and Altos enters the room. And I think in this case, the GM rolled a one on Altos's investigation check (laughs) because he like hardly even glances in the room before he leaves. Like if he had taken like two more steps and spent like three more seconds searching, he would have found Barbara, but he just leaves. After he leaves, Barbara tries the door, or tries to leave the room herself, but the door's locked now, so she's stuck in the room. Altos is one of those guards from a stealth video game who, like, whistles and, like, takes very <laughs> heavy steps everywhere they go. And uh-huh. they look around, hmm, thought I saw something. Oh, well, back to my roots. And they turn around and leave. Yeah. Probably if she, you know, waits, like, five minutes, he'll be back following the same path. (laughs) So we cut to Altos, who enters another room, and this room has three, like, glass dome cases, I guess. Um, You know, like in the animated Beauty and the Beast movie, there's, like, that glass dome over the rose. Yep, yep, yep. There, there are like three of those on a table. Is and that a bell jar? Is that what those are called? I think so. That sounds right. I'm going to Google it. Bell jar. <laughs> Images. Yes. Cool. Yes, it is. So, uh, one thing we actually know for sure on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so there are three bell I'm jars. As you are. <laughs> <laughs> and and they're, they're pretty big bell jars, and inside of each one of them, there is a large brain thing. Nice. With two, like, eye stock things coming up from it. Yes! <laughs> so classic. <laughs> and Altos tells the brain things that... One of the women has resisted the power of the mesmer. She has escaped into the city. Nice. And a brain... A brain thing voice responds, asking about who had placed the poker chips on their forehead and saying that she needs to be punished for fucking that up. And then it says, Return now to the other three. Reassure them about their friend. Take them to their laboratory. In four hours, we will give them the final exposure to the mesmeron. They will be completely subjugated. Nice, nice. Also, you know, very carefully establishing that they're not yet fully, completely subjugated. Right, we've Uh, still got a little bit of time. But it's also very important for me to ask, does the brain glow a bit as it talks, like in time with its voice? Uh, It 
Does not, but I think the ice stocks did wobble a little bit. Okay, good. I'll take it. <laughs> Altos asks what to do about Barbara, mm-hmm. and the brain thing says, She has seen the truth and is beyond our control. Find her and destroy her. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the episode. If you like our podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you'd like to ask us a question, share your thoughts, or make fun of us, you can email us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweet us at drwatcher. Thanks for listening, and now back to the episode. Dang, I'm really into this episode. This is this is dope. <laughs> yeah, this is a fun one. I liked it a lot. This is quality. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, in Barbara's hiding room, someone else enters the room, and Barbara's like, "Oh, you're the poker chip lady." And the woman is like, "I made a mistake. I am to be punished." And Barbara's like. Hey, got any more backstory hidden in any dialogue options? <laughs> Tell me more. And the woman is like, I am to be punished. And <laughs> Nope, we're just looping now. <laughs> Barbara says, uh, I think you might be like hypnotized. And the woman is like, I am to be punished. <laughs> Barbara's just like, oh, what's the use? Definitely an NPC. So we cut to Altos telling Ian and the doctor that the physician basically said that Barbara was just really stressed. And so he sedated her. And Ian's just like, oh, cool, cool. That's all great. <laughs> that sounds totally normal. You just uh-huh. kinda, you know, knock someone out with little, little drugs. And the doctor's like, Yes, yes. Well, naturally, we're all glad that she's going to be all right. So uh, if there's nothing more we can do for her, I suggest we uh, get a look at the um, laboratory. Hmm? <laughs> uh, the doctor's <laughs> got his priorities straight. Yep. So they open the door, and the camera actually gives us viewers another look at the actual reality, which is an empty room other than, like, a table with another gross mug on it. <laughs> and I think they're really saving some money on the set here because Ian and, and the doctor both seem really impressed by what they see. Oh, so we never even have to see the, the lab? Right. We never actually get to see the the lab that they see. Kudos. I have to say that that's some very clever like set design uh-huh. um, slash storytelling there. Because, yeah, like how, how are you going to depict... Uh, a laboratory with every conceivable instrument. Right. But they're actually both really impressed. Ian's like, Ever seen anything like it? And the doctor's like, mm, I think I shall find considerable scope here. We, we, we have a consider scope right here. <laughs> it's right next to the Ranger Tron. Well, there's this funny little bit where Ian kind of points towards a blank wall and says, Doctor, mm? isn't that a cyclotron? And the doctor looks... And he's like, huh? Oh, yes, 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 yes. It's <laughs> a simple toy. I'm sure they will abuse you. Mm. <laughs> what's it? What's the cyclotron again? I've no idea. Oh, all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as he keeps looking around the room, the doctor says, Ah, now, this might be helpful. Yes, if I can have instruments like these, I might be able to overcome the fault in the time mechanism aboard the ship. He says this as he's, like, very closely examining the gross mug from the table. Nice. Acting. (laughs) Back in Barbara's hiding room, the other woman, her name is Sabitha, she is kind of, like, stroking the charm on her necklace. And Barbara's like, oh, hey, where did you get that? And Sabitha's just like, It's mine. And Barbara's like, yeah, cool, cool. Like, I'm not going to take it. I just want to know where you got it. And Sabitha says, They gave it to me. My masters. It was the thing I desired most. It's mine. 
the players are like, man, if only we knew how to break this mind control. And the DM's like, and the NPC starts playing with her necklace. <laughs> the <laughs> necklace. Did I mention that she's wearing a necklace? <laughs> I, I think I mentioned the necklace earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara asks her, like, why she wanted this thing so badly, but Svetha doesn't really seem to understand the question. Barbara is like, Listen to me. Does the name Arbitan mean anything to you? Arbitan? So we have to take a quick side note here. It turns out that Arbitan is the name of Monk Dude from the previous episode. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. I checked the script because I didn't remember, like, introductions or anything. And it turns out that the name Arbitan is spoken aloud only once in the previous episode by Ian. So kind of similar to Altos, it's another case where, like, they just know his name somehow. Yeah, I feel like they're saving time on the episode. Yeah, but also pull them off like- camera. Yeah, maybe back in the day they, they spelled things out a lot less than they do now for modern audiences. Because I feel like in order for me to follow a story, I'm so used to you know everything being laid out for me that I need everyone to have like a very clear name. Right. Ideally with like a rank or a nickname or some <laughs> other like type of uh, form of address that helps me remember who they are. Right, like Monk Dude. Yeah, well, yeah, of course, I mean, those, those, that's, that's <laughs> as good as it gets for me. It's all I need. Uh-huh. So, but Sabitha actually does seem to recognize the name. She's like... Arbitan. He sent me here. I was... I... I can't remember... Hmm, I wonder if it was the previous quest. Oh, or, wait, wait, he lost his daughter, right? Yeah, so Barbara asks if Arbitan was her father. Ah. Yeah, Sabitha turns around towards Barbara, but the camera cuts away before the scene continues. We don't actually get to see Sabitha's response. Interesting. We cut to a different woman whose name I don't think we ever learn, who's in the brain room. The brains tell this woman that the three adventurers are all asleep now, and Altos is in placing the poker chips on their forehead. And when they awaken, they will have forgotten everything, including Barbara. Altos is way better at placing poker chips on people's foreheads. He makes sure they never roll over because that's proper (laughs) sleep positioning. Yep. So Altos enters the brain room, he's finished the poker chip placing, and the brain things further explain to Altos and this woman that Ian is going to join the manual labor gangs, basically, and the doctor, who has a pretty low strength stat, but a pretty high intelligence, they're just going to like lock him up in a room and make him work on the project of increasing the brain's powers. Cool. Cool. That, that should keep him busy. Yep. Susan is going to be all trained up to replace Sabitha, since, like, Sabitha apparently sucks at poker chip placing. <laughs> and it is Altos's responsibility to find Barbara to be dealt with as soon as it's lights out. Cool. Barbara is still trying to get Sabitha to remember shit in the hiding room. But Sabitha says that she's very sleepy. We hear some footsteps approach, and so Barbara hides behind the pillar again as Altos enters the room, and he goes to collect Sabitha to bring her to the brain things for her punishment. Barbara makes a noise at this point, and Altos turns around and sees Barbara and starts attacking her. And Sabitha comes up behind him and breaks a footstool over his head. Hell yes. (laughs) Which is pretty awesome. Knocks him out cold. Nice. Barbara is like, that was awesome. Now I'm going to go save my friends, and then I'll come back for you. And she just leaves leaving Sabitha behind with unconscious Altos in the hiding room. She could have 
brother with her. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, too. Well, all right. Sabitha doesn't really seem to mind, though. She's, like, really out of it for some reason at this point. And she just lays down and goes to sleep. That, like, took all her willpower or something. Yeah, and I think the the remembering earlier also did. So in the hallway, Barbara runs into Ian, who's like, you must be the one who escaped, the one they told me about. I must take you to them. And he takes her into the brain thing room. Dun, dun, dun. The brain thing voice is like, So she has been caught. You have done well and proved yourself worthy. Cool. And Barbara's like, It's disgusting. Ian, can't you see how you're being used? Hey, now. Just an alien. <laughs> uh-huh. Or possibly some sort of a human, you know, human origin creature. Something. Jeez, well, the brain... Somehow. Yeah, the brain voice actually wants to give them some more backstory and exposition. Oh, good. So it tells them all about how their brains outgrew their bodies. <laughs> You're just too smart. Uh Who knew that that could happen? So their intelligence created this whole city. If only we had played more video games. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so their intelligence created the whole city, but they do need humans to, like, feed them and maintain them and, like, take care of the city and shit. So Barbara is like, You use your people to act as machines for you. And the brain thing is like... Much more than machines. The human body is the most flexible instrument in the world. No single mechanical device could reproduce its mobility and dexterity. Oh, interesting. Interesting that they just use the word human. It's like, yeah, sure, I guess they're humans on this planet. Yeah, I kind of thought that too. It's like, okay, the monk dude Arbitan looked human, but I was trying not to like assume anything, but apparently they're human. Yeah, like, you know, the, the doctor is Gallifreyan, as far as right. I can tell, visually, looks human. Right. Although, at this point in the series, we don't know what he is. Ah, excellent. We, yeah, the term, the, the planet Gallifrey has not actually ever been named or anything yet. Oh, interesting. That's kind of cool. Kind of dig uh-huh. But the brain things admit that there's nothing they can do about Barbara now that she has already seen the reality. So they instruct Ian to kill her. Alas. Uh Uh-huh. He goes over and starts choking her, but she is able to pretty easily just knock his hands away. And after knocking his hands away, she grabs this, like, techno coffee mug thing on the table and starts swinging it around and like first she knocks some pretty important looking equipment off the table and as soon as she knocks this equipment off the brain voice starts starts screaming seemingly in pain i guess as barbara continues swinging she actually ends up like shattering the glass of one of the bell jars. Nice. And she hits the others. I think she was probably supposed to break them, but they didn't break. And they probably just couldn't afford to like another take. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you've already broken one of them. Right. So you just kind of have to go with it. So they just continue on. The brain screams die down and. The eye stalks on the brains all fall over and collapse. Uh-oh. And Ian comes to his senses, and he and Barbara share a long hug as Barbara assures him that it's going to be all right. We cut to a little while later. I do kind of like that it's Barbara kind of reassuring Ian. Yeah, I'm yeah, not, that was kind of nice. I'm not like holding out hope that there's going to be a whole lot of particularly, you know, feminist or <laughs> interesting gender role exploration or anything like that on the on this show for quite a while. But yeah, I, I I'll I'll take the the little moments too, I suppose. 
Yeah, I think they I think they are trying. You know, in nineteen sixty four they thought they were doing well. <laughs> so we cut to a little bit later as we hear like distant sounds of shouting and rioting in the background and Ian and Barbara and the doctor are discussing how the locals are burning the city. I guess they're like seeking their revenge against the brain things now that they're freed from their influence. Oh, dang. Also, it's like, no, no, you guys, it's okay. We we got this. We took care of the brain things. Maybe, maybe leave the city alone. You're going to want to live here. (laughs) I mean, presumably. Uh Uh-huh. Susan is going to join them shortly and she's going to be bringing Altos and Sabitha with her. I guess the doctor had questioned Altos and the doctor believes that Altos was also one of Arbitan's previous adventurers. Cool. Very tidy. So, yeah. Cool. <laughs> so the three of them show up, Altos, Susan, and Sabitha. And of course it turns out that Sabitha's necklace is the key microcircuit. Oh, oh, nice. From this place. Yeah, she had, like, found it on her quest, I guess. We never really go into details about that, but... So it wasn't related to her mind control after all. Yeah, yeah, it was the key, so... I remain bad at predicting things. (laughs) So they've got the first key now. Sabitha and Altos both want to join the party and continue the search for the rest of the keys. Cool. Yeah. Always nice to have some temporary NPCs join the party. Yeah, a couple of couple of NPC party members are always fun. It's like when they're still controlled by the AI, but you know they're they're on your team. <laughs> uh huh. Altos says, "I was sent by Arbitan, I and a friend called Eprim. Our plan was as follows: he would go ahead in search of Key Four, and I would come here for the first. Apparently, the place that Eprim went to search for the fourth key." Turns out is a city called Millennius. Cool, cool. I dig it. Good uh-huh. names. The doctor's like... Ah, yes, the place you mentioned. Yes, the highly civilized society. <laughs> the doctor's already all about it. Uh-huh. He says... Yeah. Now then, I've decided to adopt his plan. What? So basically, the doctor is going to go two jumps ahead to the highly civilized society at the fourth location and leave everyone else to check out the presumably shitty second and third locations. <laughs> also, once again, splitting the party. Uh-huh. So, fun little production note here. The actual reason that the Doctor is skipping ahead a couple of locations is because William Hartnell needed a vacation. Because, oh. like, they produce a shit ton of episodes per year at this point. Mm-hmm. So they just wrote him out for a little bit. I mean, that makes sense. 40-some episodes in a single season. That's a, that's a pretty like pretty busy filming schedule. Yeah, totally. And, yeah, I mean, he is Doctor Who. It's going to be interesting having his show without him on it. Yeah. And I actually haven't watched the any beyond what we've talked about yet, so I don't know, like... I'm assuming he's going to be out for two episodes because second and third key, I'm assuming just like one key per, per episode. That tracks. Uh, I would, I would imagine, you know, assume the same thing. Mm-hmm. Susan wants to come along with him, but he makes her stick with everyone else. I guess Caroline Ford doesn't get a vacation. <laughs> I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so... Susan says goodbye to him, and then she just turns her travel dial and pops out. She's like, peace. (laughs) Doctor's, like, pretty annoyed that she didn't wait for everybody else, and he tells them that they'd all better hurry after her, and they better take good care of her. She's already probably been kidnapped. (laughs) Well, we actually cut... (laughs) (laughs) We cut to Susan, who has popped into like a jungle place and there's this loud like howling or screaming noise happening and it's really freaking her out 
So she, of course, also starts screaming and howling and crying and shouting, Stop it! Stop it! Go away! Go away! And the screen fades to black, and the theme music starts, and the words, Next episode, The Screaming Jungle appear. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we have to speculate as to why the episode, the next episode is called a certain thing. I think this time, <laughs> no speculation required. No speculation necessary Indeed. for the Screaming Jungle. Yes. It's called the Screaming Jungle because it's a jungle that screams. All right, there you go. <laughs> Although, speaking of episode titles, I thought the Velvet Web was kind of interesting because awesome. I guess like... They are, they're caught in a web, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like, it's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'll be a, honest, yeah. I kind of forgot that that was the episode title, even though it's an awesome episode title. Um, but yeah, it, it tracks. It's, it's a little more metaphorical than the uh, screaming jungle for next time. <laughs> but yeah. Cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm expecting next time to have, you know, 25 minutes of terrible audio screaming and howling i so i one of the things i really enjoyed about this episode is the uh the trick of having the characters see the uh the amazing laboratory without having to actually build it yeah I, that that to me is just such a clever bit of um movie tv magic yeah that was really clever i thought they mind control you know they did they did build like a nice set of sort of the the hangout room with kind of their chaise lounges and like statues and flowers and stuff mm-hmm. but you know we only need like we've got that one nice set the hiding room is just like a room with a pillar <laughs> and then we've got like the brain thing bell jar room yeah and how much do i love Brains and jars that talk to you and yeah. control your mind. With eye stalks sticking up from them that are seriously probably like a foot tall. Let's not forget they the eye great. stalks. Yes. I think the official name for the brain things are morphos. Excellent. Like M O R P H O. But I. I also think that that was never actually spoken in the episode, and I only know that from the script. That calls for Google. Apparently there's a butterfly called the Morpho. Well, we are going to go ahead and Google Morpho Doctor Who. Yes! Oh, man. That is is rad. (laughs) I love it. Those are some very, like, Muppety-looking eyes, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Listeners. Yeah, this is a, another recommended image search. Morpho Doctor Who. Yes. Oh, I like this uh, concept art for one. It's kind of almost goofier than what they ended up with. <laughs> it reminds me a bit of the uh, the flying spaghetti monster. Oh, uh, yeah, I, could, I can see that. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. That's good. Classic sci-fi yeah i mean cheesy (laughs) when we talk about like doctor who creature design yes this is what we mean yes this and the vord indeed um i mean and we have to remember these are designed by the same guy who invented the daleks indeed legit one of the best like alien designs of all time and i know i just keep going on and on about how cool daleks are but whatever they are (laughs) <laughs> deal with it <laughs> <laughs> alright well did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about for this episode uh, no I don't think so I think I'm ready to wrap this up and find out why the jungle screams Yes, I guess we'll find out next time on the doctor's watcher oh hi Matilda do you want to say hi yeah okay 
All right. We'll talk to you next time. All right. See you, Todd. Bye. Hi, Benny here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23, at gmail.com. Thanks to Kyle for talking to me about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to me, listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at drwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. Dress. It's dirty. Dirty rags. <laughs>